You're listening to the Ministry Grow Show, brought to you by Reliant Creative, the creative agency for gospel-centered ministries. Find out more at ReliantCreative.org. Welcome to the Ministry Grow Show, a podcast dedicated to helping churches and ministries grow and make more effective impacts for the kingdom of God in an ever-changing digital world. Whether you're building and growing a gospel-centered ministry or leading a church, if you want insight into the strategies, struggles, challenges, and successes of other ministry leaders, you've come to the right place. Welcome back to the Ministry Growth Show. For the past couple of weeks, we've been working through a series where we are sharing our thoughts and insights on all things brand, marketing, and storytelling. In almost every episode of this series, we focused on storytelling in some way, shape, or form. And today we're going to discuss the ethics of storytelling. I've been working in the ministry space for more than a decade now, and I'm surprised how little I've seen or heard on this subject. The ethics behind our storytelling is something we all need to take into consideration before we embark on a storytelling journey or project. Guilt marketing and poverty porn are real things. They are, they are most prevalent or were most prevalent in the 80s and 90s, but ministries and nonprofits the world over still use these principles in their marketing even if they aren't aware that they are using these principles. Ignorance isn't an excuse to exploit those we serve for our ministry's marketing and financial benefit. With that said, I don't subscribe to the belief that we shouldn't tell stories at all. I think if we're not careful, we can swing the pendulum too far to the other side uh, of the spectrum and either not storytell at all or simply focus on the hope of the story. Both options are just as bad as partaking in guilt marketing. There are ways to storytell well, to tell stories that dignify the characters and beneficiaries of our stories and protect the identities of the people in those stories. That's what we're going to discuss today. So what is guilt marketing and poverty porn and why do we have a problem with this form of storytelling? Or maybe said another way, why don't more ministries have a problem with this type of storytelling? Let me be clear. I also think that your ministry's focus on your ministry as the hero in the story is perpetuating the problem. Touting your ministry as the hero that comes in to save the day for the poor and the oppressed, which is what we're doing when we tell quote unquote stories that show how great our ministries are, is no different than telling a story that only focuses on the pain and suffering in any given situation. I've said it a thousand times. Your ministry is not the hero. You're stealing glory from God when you focus all of your stories on the great work your ministry has done. You're stealing glory from God when you focus all of your attention on your latest About Us video, rather than creating films that testify of God's great work in real people's lives. As for poverty porn and guilt marketing, how many times have you seen images and films that degrade children and show them at their lowest points without ever sharing the hope? These are irresponsible marketing practices because that's rarely ever the full story. When we share stories, create films, and show images like this, we are degra- degrading the very people we are trying hard, so hard to lift up. We are all created in God's image with value and worth regardless of our cultural backgrounds, upbringings, or socioeconomic situations. The child you're trying to rescue out of poverty or trafficking has the same value and worth as the donor you're communicating to. 
We've got to stop degrading our beneficiaries with the images we use to represent their situations. We have to be better. And to be fair, that's where the tension lies for mission-driven marketing teams and ethical storytelling. How do we communicate the severity of the problem without shaming and degrading the people we're trying to help? I believe the answer can be found in a handful of best practices and the hero's journey that we spent so much time exploring through this series. To start, let's explore some best practices that we can all follow when telling our stories. First and foremost, we are telling stories of real people. These are real lives with real emotions. Build a relationship with the individual who has offered to tell their story. Get to know them and try to empathize with what they've gone through and experienced. You might find that their story, as horrific and tragic as it might be, might and probably will have some similarities with your own story. Don't just take good care of the story. Care for the person sharing their story. Second, tell the story well. We have a responsibility to take special care of these stories. Work hard to tell their stories well. When you're telling a beneficiary's story, understand that you have a great responsibility to do right by the individual who has chosen to share something so intimate and personal. Remember our definition of story. Conflict changes life. The conflict portion of the story is most likely going to be difficult for them to open up about and share. Compassion and empathy with these stories is crucial. Third, and this is probably, or this should probably come first, but if we're putting these in rank order, but please get the permission of your beneficiary to tell their story. Always ask permission to tell their story. Never assume you have permission. Additionally, get their input. It's their story. Always remember to get consent in, in, in identification, meaning you need consent to use their name and identity. If it's a situation where identification isn't possible, maybe because it's not safe, don't give up on that story. You can also always use pseudonyms and characters or actors to achieve their, your storytelling goals. Fourth, please avoid over-dramatization, stereotyping, and simplifying somebody's story. Stories are complex. Allow them to be complex. At the same time, any story of transformation is powerful. It doesn't need to be over-dramatized. Fifth, communicate with your beneficiary how their story will be used. We addressed this a little bit in number three when we said to get their input. Talk with them about how you plan to communicate their story. Bring them along for the ride and the storytelling journey. We've talked about Dr. Kurt Thompson and his research on the power of storytelling and how it has the power to emotionally and even physically heal us. Sharing a story of transformation might be a healing experience for somebody, but it can also heal others as they engage with the story. Talk with the beneficiary about how their story has impacted you and your team. Additionally, communicate with them about where their story is going to be shared and for what purposes it'll be communicated to the world. Many people share their stories because they want to help others avoid what they've experienced or gone through. Children who have been rescued from various forms of trafficking often want to share their stories because they want to help other children experience the same rescue. Communicating with your beneficiary about how their story will be used can be an encouragement to the storyteller. 
but more importantly, you're respecting their story and bringing them along the journey, making them feel a part of the team rather than someone who is, whose story is being exploited. Sixth, seek advice in gray area situations and default to your beneficiary or your ministry partner's requests. Oftentimes, you'll be working with a national partner who is facilitating the relationship between your ministry's leadership or marketing team and the beneficiary and their story. Get your national partner's and beneficiary's advice throughout the process. Your national partner will know the story and emotional state of the beneficiary better than you do. It's important to lean on their insight and experience. Seventh, Tell your beneficiary's story using a medium that makes your beneficiary comfortable. They might not want to be on camera or in a film, but they may be perfectly content to have their story told in written form. It's important to note that you'll want to avoid making travel plans for a film. You get an answer to this question or preference. It'll be a bummer to show up for a film in country when your beneficiary doesn't want to be on video but you could have told their story from your offices back in the States with written word. Eighth, it's important to realize that sometimes it's better not to share. That's okay. There's not a shortage of stories to tell if God is working through your ministry. He has no shortage of stories highlighting his redemptive work. Ninth, remember that transparency with your audience is essential. Are these true events or a fictional story based on true events. If you're using a pseudonym, communicate that to your audience. No one will care if you're using a pseudonym. In fact, they'll appreciate that you're telling stories ethically, but your audience will be furious if they find out you're not telling the truth or the whole truth. Transparency is key. Tenth, and this one is kind of an umbrella rule that encompasses all of these best practices but don't exploit stories for your ministry's benefits. This should be self-explanatory, but exploiting your beneficiaries for the sake of your marketing efforts is hardly different than what someone might have experienced in their past. If you're telling someone's story to raise a few fundraising dollars, but you're dramatizing the story, telling the story without permission, or leaving out portions of the story because you feel it makes the story more engaging, your practices are no different from those that might have oppressed that individual for their own financial benefit. It doesn't matter how altruistic your ministry's efforts are. Exploiting someone's story for your marketing efforts should be avoided at all costs and in all circumstances. Eleventh, please use common sense. Most of these best practices can be wrapped up and summarized in this single rule. If someone has gone through trauma and hasn't gone through therapy, are they really ready to share their story? And 12th, and arguably most importantly, tell the full story. Find the balance between conflict and hope. A needs-based or conflict-only story is not a full story. A hope-only story is not a full story. Don't exploit the conflict and use guilt marketing practices or principles to share a partial story. Tell the full story and balance the hope and conflict to the best of your ability. And those are our best practices for ethical storytelling. This isn't an exhaustive list, but it should get you moving in the right direction and telling your stories ethically. Now, earlier I asked a tough question. How do we communicate the severity of the problem without shaming and degrading the people we're trying to help? 
I've said countless times throughout the series that we have to find the balance between the conflict and the hope. But how do we do that actually, actually, tangibly? How do we actually intangibly do that? This is where the hero's journey comes into play yet again. Let's dive in. I talked about this at length in previous episodes, but one of the things that makes having a story structure so important is that it gives us a plug-and-play structure that we can follow every single time we tell a story. If you plug your stories into this structure, and again, all stories follow this structure, you're going to come away with a story that is balanced between conflict and hope because the story has that balance baked into the model or structure. The character needs something. Something isn't right. They meet a guide who calls them to adventure. They cross the threshold and go on a journey. The character searches for the solution to their need on the road to trials. They find it, take it, and return to their ordinary world having changed. The character passes through the ordinary world into the special world and returns having changed. There is balance in the structure between the conflict and the hope. There is balance between the need or the conflict in step two and the change or hope that takes place in step eight when the character has changed and returned. So back to our big question, how do we communicate the severity of the problem without shaming and degrading the people we're trying to help? We find the balance between conflict and hope. How do we find the the balance between conflict and hope? We plug our stories into a structure that already has that balance. Following these ethical storytelling best practices and using the hero's journey story structure can help us avoid guilt marketing and poverty porn. We have the responsibility to tell stories of how God is working through the people we serve, but we also have a responsibility to tell those stories ethically and to tell them well. Use these best practices and the hero's journey to ensure that you are honoring God's stories and honoring those that you have worked so hard to serve and love. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Ministry Grow Show. If you enjoyed it, we'd appreciate it if you rate and or review us on the iTunes store. And make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you have a story to share with other ministry directors and pastors, or know someone who would be an incredible guest on the Ministry Grow Show, let us know. We love connecting with ministry executives and sharing their wisdom and insight with our audience. Just send us an email at info at reliantcreative.org. And lastly, if you need help telling your ministry story, we would love to share how we can help in that process. Check out Reliant Creative at reliantcreative.org. See you next time.